What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Couple Believe Podcast. Today we have another special guest for you, and her name is Carly Lloyd. Carly Lloyd is a former American professional soccer player who was born and raised in Delran Township, New Jersey. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, 2008 and 2012, two-time FIFA Women's World Cup champion, 2015 and 2019, two-time FIFA Player of the Year 2015-2016, and a four-time Olympian 2018-2012, 2016-2021. During the 2015 FIFA Women's World Cup Final, Carly Lloyd became the first player to ever score three goals in a FIFA World, World Cup Final, and the second soccer player to ever score a hat-trick in any senior FIFA World Cup Final. Carly, welcome to A Couple Believe Podcast. Hey, what's up? Good to good to finally uh, catch up. It's been a while. Absolutely, and I just read through all your accolades. I mean, this it's it's crazy how much you've accomplished on that field, and uh, I'm excited to dive obviously into that a little bit more. But recently, I was on a podcast called The Pivot with Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, and Shannon Crowder, and they wanted to talk about New Jersey athletes, and they were saying how you know, oh yeah, there's big Texas and Florida and California. What does New Jersey have that produces? Can, can you give us a little bit of credit and show that a little bit about New Jersey athletes and what we bring to the table? Yeah, I think, um, you know, being from New Jersey um, and I'm South Jersey, so I'm closer to Philadelphia and Philadelphia sports fans. So I guess uh, there's maybe a little something in the water just being down from this area, more of a, a blue collar uh, mentality, the Rocky Balboa type ish Um but I, I think, you know, kind of the, the tri-state area with, you know, New Jersey and um, Pennsylvania and, and even, you know, you've got Delaware, you've got all these states kind of surrounding one another, um, whereas in the West Coast, California, I mean, California is pretty much as big as the East Coast, um, <laughs> yeah. or at least the, the, the tri-state area um, halfway up the, the coast. Uh, and, you know, I, I think as I've kind of reflected on my career and, um, you know, I've known a lot of well-known Jersey athletes that have, have gone on to, to become stars, um, you know, we've got, we've got four seasons here. We've got spring, summer, fall, winter, and we're playing our seasons outside. So there's that type of mentality that's, you know, encompasses, you know, all different conditions and you have to adapt and you, you don't get used to one specific climate. So I think that that in a sense breeds, um, you know, some toughness. Uh, and then, you know, I just think that being from smaller States, you've, you've got to kind of pave your way. Um, but there's been some incredible athletes that have come out of Jersey. And I think for, for myself growing up in Delray New Jersey, a very small working class neighborhood. Um, it, it just was one of those towns where, you know, nobody knew about it. Um, but my passion and my love just kind of, you know, uh, saw me kind of on this journey of, of wanting to be a professional soccer player. So I think, you know, it's just a tough, gritty area and there's so much, that we have to adapt to with the seasons and um, just the way of living here. So uh, I love it. You know, it's, it's part of me and always has been. 
I'm glad you actually brought that up because, as I mentioned, California, Texas, and Florida, most of the time they have one or two seasons. We do have to adapt to every type of environment out here, playing in the cold and playing in the hot of the summer. We have to adapt. So I'm glad that you actually mentioned that because I want to dive into now you deciding to stay home and play for Rutgers University and all the accolades that you obviously accomplished at, at Rutgers was just an amazing career there. But can you go a little bit into the decision process when you were getting recruited out of high school and make and wanted to come and stay home and do your thing here at Rutgers? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I was always a, a bit of a homebody. Um, I wasn't well versed in, you know, in travels and I played uh, for a reputable club in New Jersey after I moved out of Dalran um, from that team, the Medford Strikers uh, that we formed. Um, I was one of the you know five original players that was part of that team. You know, really gave me the um, gave me the ability to be seen by college coaches around the country, and so it was an unbelievable team to be part of. And obviously I played high school soccer as well. So it was, you know, a bit on the radar, but I, I didn't win any, you know, prestigious awards, no Gatorade player of the year or, um, you know, the Herman, the Mac Herman trophy or anything like that. Um, so I was, you know, a bit of a late bloomer, a bit of a, a player who was kind of under the radar. Um, but Rutgers University at the time was changing coaches. So Glenn Crooks was his first year uh, where he was recruiting and uh, obviously came to my house as they, they used to do with home visits. I uh, don't know if they, and don't think that they do that anymore. And I actually, I kind of started a little late in the process. So I, I took my visits to Rutgers. I took my visit to NC state Um to Maryland, uh, Connecticut, West Virginia. And so it ultimately came down to West Virginia and Rutgers. And I think the big selling point for me was I actually played with a lot of the the girls um, that were on Rutgers already that were, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors. So I knew them. There was a familiarity, um, a comfortableness in knowing them. And, you know, the big selling point from Glenn was, you know, here's an opportunity to put Rutgers on the map for people to talk about the school, um, not just as a state school, but as a household name to go and play soccer at. And it intrigued me a bit. Um, I was really torn because West Virginia with Nikki Izzo Brown as a coach, um, I was really, really a big fan of hers. and it was a really hard decision to make. I mean, it's a, it's a really hard decision for any, you know, kid to make at that moment where you're having to decide on a school for the next four years, you've got to pick a major, you've got to make all these adult grown up like decisions in a, a span of a, of a second. And so I decided to go to Rutgers. Um, I was, it was about an hour away from home. Uh, I, you know, had a boyfriend who was now my husband at the time, Brian, so we had been together for a while. So I can't deny that that played a role as well. You know, either go to West Virginia and be a lot further away or go to Rutgers where I have the ability to, you know, see him and see my family um, and, and they can come and watch me play. So I think kind of all of that 
that played a role and, um, you know, went into Rutgers and, you know, was the, the first recruiting class with Glenn Crooks. We had a great class, great group of players. And, um, you know, I never looked back after that point. Well, uh, you mentioned that you may have been a late bloomer when it came to the recruiting process, but we uh, I've read your book and I, I know the story of you kicking that ball off the side of the curb over and over and over at a young age. Talk about the young Carly Lloyd coming up in just the soccer ranks and finding that love and that passion for that game because nowadays, obviously, we know a lot of kids aren't outside playing and, you know, they're more in the video games or sitting there on TikTok and Instagram. But go back into when Carly Lloyd was outside grinding at a young age and just finding that passion for the game of soccer. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell everybody this. Um, you know, no kid is ever going to make it in life if you're not passionate about what you're doing, if you don't love it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. And I don't really know where that love came from, but my parents signed me up at the age of five and they weren't soccer players themselves. I think the only family member in our family um, that that really kind of went on to play competitive soccer was uh, my older cousin, Jamie, who went to the same high school um, and then went on to college to play. And you know, I'd, I'd be, you know, watching her play, going to her college games, and that probably definitely played a, a role. Um, but I just loved playing. I, I loved the ball. I loved the game. I loved the, the, uh, the fact that I could attack. I could, you know, defend and steal the ball away from, from people. Um, and from what people tell me at a young age, you know, I was – I had something special. But – I don't think it ever starts without that love and that passion. And it was an easy indication for my parents to know that I absolutely loved it. They didn't have to force me to go to practice. They didn't have to tell me to get my bag ready. Um, I used to, you know, clean my, clean my cleats off. I used to go out front on the curb and pass the ball up against the curb. I would gather as many balls that I could, you know, either find or steal from the woods and go shoot at the local field um, that was right down the, the street from my house. So it starts with that. And, and then it's up to each and every one of us, how far you take it, you know, the more hours that you spend practicing something, the better you become. And I was always a, a kid who loved being around sports. You know, if I wasn't playing soccer, I was having a, you know, a, a catch with the football with my neighbor, or I was playing basketball or, I was swimming on our local swim team. I played softball. I played roller hockey. I mean, I did anything and everything that that revolved around sports. And um, I was not afraid to fail as a kid because if I couldn't do something at first and I failed at it, I would just try again. And then each time you just get a bit better and better. So um, I, I never shied away from that failure. And I really believe that, you know, all of that is is what – got me to this point. I love that you've actually played roller hockey too because I used to actually play roller hockey myself back in the streets. And let's just say I didn't know how to stop, so I used to just dump, jump on the grass and die and rolling around. But those, I, I, think, I think I did that a few times too. I, I, I love playing roller hockey. I actually found a passion for that when I was younger. But um, I want to get into a little bit of how now once you obviously went through college, went to Rutgers, had a great career there, the struggles that you face now going to the next level where – Everyone was just as skillful as you were and just as good as you were at that time. What did what mindset did you have to go into when you 
first get cut from the national soccer team, obviously a dream for you that you wanted to play on. But then saying that, you know what, I'm not going to let this hold me back from quitting and trying to find a regular job. But, you know, finding a way to, you know what, I can still do this, but finding that passion to say, well, you know what, I'm going to make this happen and how to be able to deal with failure at that time. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I went through my youth days as, you know, being a player who was the best player on every team I played on. You know, mm. my, my Delran team, my, my, my rec program there, the travel team, and then onto my club team, high school, college. And I said before that I was a late bloomer, and, and I was. You know, some of the players that were on the under-21 national team when I got on there had been on the U-15s, the U-16s, you know, the U, U-18s. Some of them had, had played in youth World Cups. Um, and here I am, you know, while I'm in college, I'm, I'm getting invited to, um, to, to train with the under-21 national team to eventually make a Nordic Cup roster, which was – the tournament that that you sh- you know were striving to to make um, every year, and I quickly realized that I had allowed my my talent to to really take me as as far as it was going to take me, and then, you know, being kind of hit with um, the reality that, um, you know, I'm good, but life's not going to just hand this to you. You know, life life is going to really test you and and teach you valuable lessons to dig deeper, to work hard. So I had to completely shift my mindset um, from a physical and mental standpoint when I first got cut from the national team, the under 21 national team. And at first, the easy way out was to quit. Um, I blamed, you know, blamed others. I blamed coaches. I blamed players. I pointed fingers. Everything was what did everyone else do wrong and, and not what, what can I do better? And so I quickly learned that if I'm going to play at this level, I've got to first turn myself into a two-way player, a player that defends and also attacks. I'm not going to lose the, the, the unique qualities that make me into the player that I am, but I need to add other qualities to make me a valuable asset to the national team. If they see someone who just can be brilliant on the attacking side, but then is lazy, doesn't defend, isn't a team player, um, points fingers, isn't accountable. Yeah, they're going to move on because there's other players that are coming down the pipeline that are just as good, if not better. So I spent a lot of time working on things that I wasn't good at. I wasn't naturally fit. I hated running. I thought I had a problem running. I thought that I had a mental block and it was easy to say, oh yeah, I just, I'm not good at running and I just can't do it. No, it's not that I can't do it. It's that I just don't want to do it and I have to do it. So I had to train my mind to, you know, start off small, start off with small increments of, of fitness. And and the more that I did, the more confident I became. And, and I started to see the effects and I started to really feel so much better when I was out there. So by changing my, my fitness, um, by changing my mindset, to be the hardest working player every single day, um, not pointing fingers, not placing blame, you know, being accountable and looking at myself in the mirror to find what I can do better. Um, and then making my character better as well. 
And so turning all those kind of weaknesses that I had into my strengths over time um, allowed me to not only get on the national, get back on the under 21 national team and, and do well, but then get on the full women's national team and be able to sustain that because the amount of challenges and obstacles that, that come your way, you have to be, you have to be tough. You have to roll your sleeves up and, and just say to yourself, I've, I've got to, the, the only way past this is through it head on through it. Um, and you know, it, it was one, one obstacle and, and one challenge after another. And after all that, what was that like, that first feeling when you got your first cap in 2005 with the women's national team and going out there in front of the crowd? What's the, what kind of feelings comes? It's like, it's like it's my time now, or is the nerves obviously the butterflies that hit you? Oh, I was, I was extremely nervous. I mean, I had never <laughs> played in front of a crowd like that. Uh, never had my name on the back of my jersey, you know, singing the <laughs> national anthem, um, knowing that the game's on TV. Yeah, it was incredibly stressful, and and I was so nervous to the point where I think when I got onto the field, I felt like I had already played a game. And um, you know, that was that was the start of the journey. That was that was me as as a little girl, you know, having a passion and a love for something, and just working at it each and every day, and not knowing where the journey is going to take me. Um, but you know, eventually being able to watch the 1999 Women's World Cup that was here in the U.S. and going to Giant Stadium, watching them play, you know, that that was my inspiration. Um, that was the moment I I wanted to do that. I wanted to play in World Cups. I wanted to play in Olympics. And, you know, having been able to watch that um, gave me that inspiration. So it was an incredible feeling. And, yeah, it was the start of a, a journey that I had no idea – how it was going to play out. And I, I see and this is another thing about Jersey. That's what I love about you too, Carly, this, the toughness and the grittiness. When people doubt you, it inspires you more to be able to come back and want to fight against that. I want to go into you taking those mental notes and jotting down things of all the th- things that people said about you that you couldn't do, that you wouldn't do or this and that, and how you use that as inspiration. And, you're fiery too. You'll come back as somebody and you'll make them remember what they said about you. And I, I love that. Please dive into where does that come from? <laughs> well, I think I have, uh, I have internal motivation to be the best that I can be. And that's, that's always been the case. And, and that was always how I was as a kid. Like I said, if I couldn't throw a spiral, I would, I would sit there and, and throw a spiral until I could throw a spiral. Um, and I did that over and over again. And I wasn't afraid of failure. I wasn't afraid of trying and, and, you know, and, and failing and not succeeding. I just would do it over and again. And so I, I think that that chip on my shoulder, you know, kind of came from growing up in a small town and, you know, playing high school ball, playing club ball, and you're playing against all these stack teams and clubs and high schools and, you know, people, people don't think that you're going to be able to, to win things. And it was always kind of that, that motivation to go out there and, and prove them wrong. And, and same thing with the under 21 national team when I was cut. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to prove that coach wrong. Um, so I think I've always kind of played with that little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like I said, I was never pegged as the me- next best thing. I, was, I, I wasn't winning all these high school awards. Um, I didn't win 
you know, college awards on a national level. And so I came out of, of college onto the pro scene. And I think people, people definitely had some expectations of me. They knew that, that I was capable and they knew that I had a a unique talent to me. They knew that I could shoot from distance and in a, you know, blink of an eye, change the game. Um, But there was a lot that I had to learn, you know, in, in order to sustain that. And I think, we're so cruel to one another, you know, especially in in the world of sports. And it's even worse now with social media and and everybody feeling like they can have an opinion on something and they know, and um, we build people up to, to break them down, you know, and, and there's this expectation that comes with it. And I think that I just had to learn, you know, I had to learn how to do things the right way. And sometimes by doing things the right way, it also takes a long time. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to success. And um, I took the long game approach with my career and um, I had to learn. I had to get knocked down. I had to fail. I had to um, just constantly get better. And so over the course of my career, you know, I, I always – I always just wanted to be respected for what I brought. You know, I think that in a in a world of female sports, you're kind of judged on not really your ability on the field, right? It's it's kind of everything else, you know. Do you socialize with the team? You know, um, are you politically correct? Do you say everything, you know, the way that you're meant to say? And and I just kind of would say things how they are and wasn't afraid to speak my mind, wasn't afraid to confront teammates. I wasn't always right in the situations. You know, I did plenty of things wrong, which I'm the first to admit. Um, but I always still had those those hard confrontations with, with teammates and with coaches. Um, but I think that I was always kind of pegged and put in this box of, you know, being this selfish player and not caring and a terrible leader. And it was just interesting to me because it was like no one was really respecting me for what I was bringing each and every day, you know. And um, I think that feeling those slights over the course of my career and having success, but then still feeling like I'm not really appreciated um, just made me dig deeper and deeper. And um, I guess it it added some extra fuel for me. Um to the motivation that I already had. So I just was always kind of wired that way. But I think when things are handed to you and when things are easy and when people praise you, you know, your, your ceiling isn't going to be as high as when people doubt you. And so I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful for the journey I had while I was in the thick of it and it was hard and I didn't understand and I was questioned things. And, um, in the end it, it ended up to be the most fulfilling journey I could have ever imagined. Yeah, and I remember when I first met you, we became friends back in 2011, 2012 it was, I believe, actually. And you were going through it. I remember you were working your ass off every day, but you still didn't understand. Like you said, you didn't feel appreciated. It wasn't like you were going to be that the, the poster girl for the for the U.S. Women's National Team at the time, and people were getting endorsement deals, but you just kept your head down and kept on grinding. But your moment came, I feel like, in 2015, 
with that hat trick in the World Cup. Do you feel like that's when the world finally said, you know what, it is time to respect Carly Lloyd and everything that she brings to the table? Yeah, I mean, I think every organization is going to highlight and is going to market certain players and certain people that are going to benefit them. And I was just never that, that person, you know, ever, no matter scoring a winning goal in 2008 Olympics, scoring two goals in 2012 Olympics, um, you know, being a a mainstay for the team. um, I just didn't fit, fit into their mold. Apparently I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a yes person. I wasn't someone who kissed uh, anyone's ass. Um, I just showed up every single day and was trying to be the best that I possibly can while also respecting my teammates, respecting the coaching staff, and just trying to be the best teammate that I could possibly be. And, um, it took, it took me in 2015 to pretty much do the impossible. You know, we hadn't won a world cup in 16 years at this point. Um, we came very close in 2011. The momentum was building. We had Fox sports putting a ton of money and marketing into this world cup. And so it was almost like everything was there for the taking and our team just had to come through and pretty much do the impossible. And then I go on to score three goals, a hat trick in a world cup final. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was my team, but it was also me, you know, doing that. And so who, who can ignore that? You know, who can, what sponsors and and people that want to have me come talk at their organization or, you know, come up here, here, or sign on for this endorsement, you can't ignore that, you know? And, and so it almost forced us soccer to, you know, uh, I mean, to, to, I mean, they didn't have to market me at that point, but um, I did my own marketing, you know, and, and, it was really hard because from 20, 2005 to 2015, um, you know, I didn't have many endorsements. I had, I had my shoe contract, Nike, and I had a couple of the little ones and, and you're not there for the money. And, and I was never, I would, I was never playing for the money from the start of my career to the end of my career. Um, sure. I built a brand. I built an image. Um, I, you know, earned, endorsements, sponsors, appearances, all of that. That's, that's my future. You know, that's, that's my family and and our, our future, you know? So, um, that was something that came of all the hard work that I had done prior to that. And that's why I'm a big believer of just kind of doing the right things and, and putting your head down. And, and even though you, you feel that something's not coming or, you know, working out to be in your favor at the moment, you just got to, you got to believe, right? I mean, you got to, you got to just hold on to that belief. And, um, my life completely changed in, in 2015. And, and since that point, um, you know, there's, there's been loads of opportunities that I've been incredibly grateful for. And, um, it changed our team uh, dynamics as well. Um, you know, put us on a, a platform to do amazing things. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, there were never any excuses though. You know, I just, I just kept grinding, kept working harder and knew that eventually something would come of it. And 2015 was definitely a special moment. Absolutely. And, that, and 
being around you and some of your teammates, everyone always says you have that just uniqueness about you where that's Carly Lloyd. That's it. Like, it's just a different way that you attack the game and that you approach the game going into practices when you travel. I know you like to be by yourself. You don't want any distractions, things of that nature. Did that just become something that's, I guess, became habit to you? Or is that something that you really had to just really take responsibility of and just live up to that? Because I remember just being around you and everyone's like, Carly's in the ice, ice bath, of course. Oh, Carly's <laughs> by herself traveling. Like, she does her own thing. Where did that come about? And I guess how that mindset of, you know, just putting all distractions and focusing on the task at hand. Yeah, I think, you know, I was always someone who, again, wanted to be the best at what I was doing. And, you know, I wasn't a straight A student by any means, but I worked hard to to become, you know, a, a, a good um, a good student earning A's and B's, um, maybe a couple C's along the way. I don't know, but <laughs> Um, that, that was just kind of how I was wired. And so when I took this, this approach with my career, you know, I was all in, there's no, there's no half in or three quarters in, um, I'm someone that's all about routine, all about consistency. I really believe that if you're going to do anything in life, you have to be consistent. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to take care of my body, I'm going to be consistent with massaging, with ice baths, um, with getting good night's sleep, eating well, everything, you know, everything factors into that as as you know when you know you played it it just you have to do it and that's the only time you actually see results and so when I was into the routine and and the recovery and it it was habits it was habits that were formed that were just easy habits to do like I knew when I finished a game every game that I was getting in the ice bath for 15 minutes. It was just, it was non-negotiable. It didn't, it didn't matter if I had people there at the game or, oh, I didn't feel like wait, making them wait, or it was really cold out and I was cold. No, like it was non-negotiable. I got in and I did it every single time. And, you know, that, that is how you make it. That is how you continue to stay at the top. Um, and so it was, it was something I lived by from 2005 to the moment in 2021 where I retired. And, and I think, you know, because I was all in for 17 years, I had nothing left in my tank after that, right? You know, like I just, I, I gave it everything that I had and um, it's a good feeling, you know, stepping away and, and knowing that. Um, but I was in the office every day for those 17 years. I was tunnel vision focused, figuring out what I needed to do. Um, my mind was on improving as a player every single day. Um, you know, I would almost have this guilty sense if, if I wasn't doing enough, you know, I was always doing extra, but it, it was always this thing that hung over my head. Am I am I really doing enough? Um, and so I would always find ways to keep doing more and more. Well, through 17 years, obviously, this goes through a lot of changes. But teammates, players, obviously, times change and things of that nature. How would you say you were able to adapt to that? And, and be real honest, we all don't get along with every single one of our teammates, but we try to stay you know, focused on our goal and, what's in, and what we are trying to accomplish together. 
but can you tell me what it's been like the adapting from uh, 2005 when you first are on the team to when you retire, you know, in 2021? That's just, you see a lot of things that happen. Can you talk about just adapting to the environment and, and trying to go with the flow with the changes? Yeah, I mean, throughout the course of my career, I mean, played with loads of teammates, right? Um, players that were there for a long time, players that were, you know, briefly in and never in again, players that were that were in, um, that maybe, you know, then weren't in for a bit and then back in in, in later years. Um, you know, I've always, I've always treated every teammate with respect. And, you know, all of us, we're not all best friends. You know, you, you don't see eye to eye with every person you come in contact with. I mean, that's just the reality of it. What I always tried to do was, I'm going to treat you with respect. And when I step out onto that field in between those lines, I'm going to give it everything I have for you for the person in front of me, next to me, behind me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of car you drive. It doesn't matter if I know that you don't like me or not. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's that's what you have to do. And I'm sure we'll talk about my my show, Special Forces, coming up, you know, shortly. But it's that military approach, if if you're in battle with a with a, a a guy or a girl next to you that that you know that you're not going to go and and grab beers with or or hang out with that's fine you got to put that aside you're if you have an opportunity to save their life or you know uh respect them or know that they're part of of your team like that's all that matters and so that's that was my thing every, every time, you know, I would, I would go to battle for any single player that stepped out onto that field that I was with and around. And that was for the common goal of our team. Um, and I think when players weren't like that, and, and that was kind of towards the end of my career, you know, Tokyo 2021 Olympics, um, you could kind of see that that there was just not a, a mutual respect for one another on the field and and that really hurts a team so i again um don't have to love everyone they don't have to love me i just i'm going to respect each and every one of you and i'm going to go to battle for you um because that's ultimately what is going to make us win games and that was the approach that that i always had had no matter who was on the field you know, no matter if it was Abby Wambach or, um, you know, Sophia Smith, um, it didn't matter. I'm going to do whatever I can do to make this team better. Well, I think that's what the great ones are able to do. Put all that side noise and the distractions that are going on on and off the field and be able to just focus on that game and being able to go after that, that goal because, you know, not everyone can do that. And a lot of times things pour on to the field that shouldn't, but being able to Put that as a side block, I think is huge. And I guess I want to ask you about how, what advice would you give young women that are coming up and playing this soccer game and maybe able to put some of those distractions aside? Obviously, we live in a social media world now and everyone has their phones in their hands and things of that nature. But how would you say you can help them try to give a little bit of your mindset? No one is Carly Lloyd. You are Carly Lloyd. But 
try to adapt to some of your mindsets and mentalities that you have. How can what would you tell young girls about some you know giving them some inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, and I I think that this is this is probably different on the the male side of things, right? I think you've probably experienced you know different things where I think men don't think take things as personal, you know, and they can kind of put their differences aside here and there, or maybe you fight it out and then, then you're good after that. But I think with, with women, you know, it's, it's a constant self-esteem battle, um, self-confidence battle. You know, you're, you're worried about what people think of you, what they're saying about you. Um, you're oftentimes not confronting some people, if, you know, you hear chatter about them, you know, talking to somebody else about you. I mean, there's, there's just all these like mind games, I think that, that women play. And, and I think that it can just be solved by like simply going to the source and just being like, Hey, what's, what's up? What's the problem? And it's uncomfortable. No one likes confrontation. Um, I never liked it, you know, for, I remember there was, you know, something with Abby Wambach and I earlier on in my career, we were having, it was like a 5v5 game. And I don't know, I, I can't even remember what exactly it was, but we, we both kind of got into it. And then, you know, I just kind of went up to her and, um, you know, we spoke about it and then it was like, all right, let's move on. You know, it's, you, you can't take things personal um, and you have to nip them in the bud like right away if there's something going on. And I think that that's sort of, you know, the way that I was as a player, you know, I was a bit, a bit numb, a bit emotionless throughout my career, but you almost have to have that thick skin. You almost have to not care what people are saying as hard as that is. Um, And I think that it's really difficult in this world that we obviously live in with social media, because I had half of my career without social media and then the other half of my career with social media and obviously the sport, you know, soccer globally has become um, way more popular. There's more people talking about it. So everybody then has an opinion. But, you know, what I would say to, to young girls is just be confident in who you are, right? Like you can't compare yourself to anybody else. You've got to embrace who you are, the qualities that you have, and just focus on being the best version of yourself. It takes out the equation of having to constantly compare yourself amongst somebody else. And I think women, girls do that a ton. It's like, oh, she's, you know, she's got prettier hair than me or, oh, you know, she's, she's uglier than me or, you know, there's this constant comparison and it just, it throws your mind into this constant battle of, you know, your self-confidence wavering. So Embrace who you are. Just strive to be the best version of yourself every single day. Compete against yourself. And again, when there's there's issues that arise, um, straight to the source. Hey, what's going on? You hear some stuff behind the scenes. Hey, this is what I heard. Because believe it or not, I've done it numerous times. And it's actually changed the mindset of people. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm hearing this, hearing that, go straight to the source. Um, and then they change and they don't do things anymore like that. So I think it's, you know, you got to bring awareness to it. Some people don't even know they're doing certain things. And, and same for me, you know, I would love if people, people hear things or people think that I'm doing something, just come straight to me. 
straight to me will hash it out. But I, I think that that's, you know, it's a tricky dynamic with girls and women because um, it, it tends to be kind of blown out of proportion. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, you step out on the field, it shouldn't be about, you know, anything other than your job, your responsibility, and you're there to battle. That's it. And that's me too. I absolutely hate confrontation. If you have an issue or problem, come to me let's hash it out and let's move on with it that's just always how I've been with my life but you had mentioned before after 17 years of you know playing at that highest level and that mindset of just being physically and mentally drained now you know obviously as expected but what is life like for Carly Lloyd after this and you know getting your thrill still being able to well dive into the special forces uh show and uh, the world's toughest challenge but what is life outside now with your with your husband Brian being able to go skiing, doing different adventures? Talk to me more about how you're living your life now after soccer. Yeah, I think you know life after soccer. I think for any athlete, there's there's always that unknown. There's always that fear. You know what's going to happen? Am I going to be busy? Am I going to have opportunities? Um, I really started to change towards the end of my career. I really started to live in the present moment and, and try to be present and try to not get myself all worked out, worked up about wanting to control the future narrative, right? I mean, we are living these lives every single day. And although we would love to have a handle and a, and a control of what's going to happen next, but that's, that's the beauty of our stories, right? It's, it's, it's chapter by chapter. And it's going to be like that till the day we all die. Um, and so why would you want to know an ending to something that you haven't even lived through? Uh, so I started to get really better with that. I think that I was knowing that I was nearing the end and I wanted to take it in a lot more and, and be more present. And, you know, it's very hard. It's very hard. But I think for me, I, I had the, the opportunity to dictate when I left the sport and announce my retirement and then have a couple, couple month farewell tour. Um, and not many athletes get to do that. You know, not many athletes get to have that, get to really go out on their own terms. Um, it wasn't because I was old. It wasn't because I was washed up. It wasn't a coach's decision. I simply said, I'm retiring at this point and I'm going to enjoy these next couple months. I'm going to soak it in. I'm going to listen to the crowd. I'm going to look around in the stadiums and see all the posters and all the signs that people have, have been writing and um, I'm going to enjoy it. And, and that was the feeling I had. And it was this freeing feeling when I ended my career that for, for my entire length of my career, I was, I was just wanting to be respected, you know, I was wanting to be appreciated. And then I realized that None of that really matters. The only thing that matters is for me to feel fulfilled, for me to know that I gave everything I had from the minute that I started with the team until the day that I left the field. And that was the fulfillment. That was all that I needed. But along with that came the respect and admiration that I never knew existed out there for me. You know, I, I thought everybody hated me and, you know, said all these things. And, um, no, it was, it was really, it was really amazing to see. And 
I think that I finally allowed myself to be me. You know, I think my, my teammates saw that they saw a glimpse of that because there was this mask that I had on for 17 years. And in order to, to reach the length, the heights that I reached and be the player that I was, I don't know that I could have been any different um, because it just took a very lot out of me and yeah, just kind of had to be numb and and emotionless. Um, But then I allowed myself to have emotion towards the end. And I think the, the role into this life after soccer um, has been amazing. I mean, this last year uh, of me being retired, I was incredibly busy, had uh, amazing opportunities. I got to, I got to just like live life um, and not have this, this weight on my shoulders of, you know, what do I need to do to, to be better? And I've got to grind, I've got to train. And while I love that, it's just been a freeing feeling knowing that I have nothing that I need to prove to anyone anymore. Um, and, you know, just being able to spend time with Brian and my family came in, you know, back into my life, we, we rekindled our relationship and it just seems like everything kind of just was syncing up perfectly for me. And um, yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've gotten out of my comfort zone. I've done the women's world cup draw, the men's world cup draw as a, as a co-conductor. I've, was on Fox sports for the Qatar men's world cup, um, did my special forces show. So yeah, it's just loads of opportunities. And, um, I'm just honestly living life to the fullest and said to Brian the other day when I was sitting on the couch, like, feels so good to be retired. Like I don't have to get up off this couch and go work out and do anything. Um, so it's, it's definitely been amazing. Well, I think you had that, that mic drop, drop moment as a, athlete when you retired. And I think it's still one of the coolest moments when you took your shin pads off, put them down on the field, and then you took your jersey off and gave that respect to your husband, Brian, and, and had his last name on the back of your jersey. I think that was one of the coolest moments because of all the sacrifice that he has made, obviously, to keep your relationship going and keep it strong. You know, can you talk a little bit about that and that decision? Because I just thought it was a cool moment, and I'm sure that he really loved and appreciated that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, players in the past, I think Heather O'Reilly, Mayhem, you know, they've come out in the second half and they've put their married name uh, on the back of their jersey and played with it the whole half. Um, And so I wanted to do something special, you know, I mean, the least that I can do to, to show for all the selfless acts that and support that Brian's done throughout my career. And he, he was there from the beginning, you know, he was there from high school when we first started dating and kind of seen my, my journey evolve and never once complained about how busy I am and how I have to travel and how I have to train. Um, you know, it literally wouldn't have been possible without his support because he allowed me to be me, allowed me to grow. Um, he allowed me to constantly, water myself to bloom, you know, to be better. And, and I think that, you know, our relationship has, has evolved over the years and, um, you know, is probably the strongest that it's ever been now. And is we've been through a lot, like my career, um, I've been through a lot and, and we've been through a lot as well, uh, along all these milestones of life. Um, so there was, yeah, there was something that I was wanting to do. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my family. Um, the only person that knew was our equipment guy, Jake, 
And so I asked Jake, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a Holland's jersey at halftime. You know, we always get, we start off with our one jersey and we always get a, a jersey. Um, we can change our whole kit at halftime if we want, if you're sweaty or whatnot. So my second kit was, was Holland's. So um, it was, it was chilly in Minnesota. So I put the jersey under my Lloyd jersey because you know, I was, I was Lloyd throughout my career. And just as I'm leaving the field, um, you know, I take the Jersey off and, um, yeah, I just, I turn to the crowd and I knew Brian was, was just straight up in, in one of the suites. And, um, I think I, I first, you know, was, was front, front on for, to him and my family. And then when I turned, um, my back was to him and, uh, yeah, he, he was really surprised. He teared up a bit and, you know, it's just an iconic photo that, that I have of, you know, I have it right here next to me, just walking off the field with my Louis Jersey in my hand and, um, you know, my, my Holland's Jersey, um, hanging, sorry, Brian must be printing something out on the printer. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was just a, an unbelievable moment, and um, just you know, it was one of the best days ever. You know, I had all the people that were meant to be there supporting me, and um, it was just incredible. No, that's awesome, and obviously retired life, but still have that mindset of wanting to challenge yourself and competing. And I want to dive into that special forces show, the world's toughest challenge, and just what that took to be able to go out there and go through with the army, the Navy, the special forces, what they do on a daily basis, you know, we, we take for granted. What was that like stepping out of your comfort zone and challenging you? Yeah, it was, um, you know, the opportunity came in, you know, probably April ish, um, had no idea what it was going to entail. had no idea that it was based off the show in the UK until after I signed my contract to do it. Um, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. This sounds fun. You know, can I get a plus one? Is there going to be hair and makeup? Uh, you know, come to find out that it wasn't even remotely close to that. You know, I traveled by myself. There was no hair and makeup. There was no craft services. Um, it was purely literally like you were on a course trying out for special forces. Now, not in the same wavelength of, of what the real course entails, but a little, a little small taste of it and a, a, t a small taste of their world and the lessons that you need to learn and the um, approach that you need to have. And, and it translates to everything. And I, and I really felt some similarities of how I approach my career to, to kind of how the, the military are. Um, there's so many things that that kind of cross over with one another. And um, it was incredibly hard. I mean, we were doing things as you've seen, you know, we're five episodes in, we're, we're halfway there. Um, it was, you know, 10 total days, depending on how long you lasted. But I was fearing everything that I was doing every single day. Um, but I just, I just somehow just got up there and I just did it. Um, wasn't necessarily comfortable with it, but I just, I gave it my best shot and, uh, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it was life-changing. You know, I, I think that I realized some of the, the, the things that I learned throughout that 
filming because we filmed in the beginning of June. Um, you know, it, it came to me kind of after the fact of really what I took from it. And you've got to surrender yourself to life. You've got to let go of the control that you may want to have. Um, it's incredibly hard. You know, I don't think that it's like you just say to yourself, oh, okay, I'm going to surrender to life, my story, my journey, whatever happens, happens. Um, and let go of that. I mean, I think it's, it's every day. It's an everyday reminder to tell yourself that. And, um, yeah, I, I feel just more present. I feel like I don't work myself up, you know, necessarily with stressing, um, all of these things that I've, they've, these opportunities that I've had that I've been in a, a bit of an uncomfortable situation. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm going to prepare as well as I can. I'm going to give it my best shot. And then whatever happens, happens. And, you know, I think throughout the course of my career, I was always tied to wins and losses, you know, success and failure. And my mood would change, you know, if, if I was playing well and the team was doing well and we were winning, you know, my mood was good. But then if we weren't and I wasn't playing well, my mood was not good. And I think that, you know, dependent on success, failure, it's really not the end of the world. And uh, I think that's what I've, I've kind of learned now. So yeah, incredible opportunity. Um, I'm watching it live for the first time as all of you are are watching it um, each, each Wednesday night, they haven't shown us anything. They haven't told us anything. They filmed us 24 seven and uh, we're seeing it for the first time, kind of all put being put together as well. I think it's so cool. Really just respect to you for even trying to put yourself out there in that uncomfortable situation. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the businesswoman now, Carly Lawyer, owner of Gotham FC. I know you've got a part ownership there, but what's life looking like as a businesswoman now going for you forward and after post-career? Yeah, I mean, you know, having the opportunity to to be a minority owner in in the NWSL was was something that, again, you would have asked me this, you know, five years ago, even three years ago, I would have said, oh, probably not. But, um, you know, having played for Gotham, uh, you know, formerly Sky Blue for for a couple of years and was able to end my career being home in New Jersey, um, you know, it was it was a great opportunity to to still continue to be part of something in, in, you know, the soccer world in that capacity. And um, although last season was, you know, a bit of a challenging season for the team, I think they've, they've revamped things. They've gotten a new uh, coach. They've gotten kind of um, just a whole new structure to things. So I'm really excited to to kind of see what they're going to do this year. Um, But yeah, it's been great to be involved in and, um, just kind of, you know, get my feet wet in, in sort of this area of, uh, of business. So it's been, it's been good. That's awesome. And, uh, want to thank our sponsor, Plymouth Rock Insurance and the Teachers Insurance Plan in New Jersey. And I want to finish up with one last question for you. Is there one special educator or teacher that you had in your life that you would say that would have helped, helped you out along your journey and was just there for you that just sticks to your memory as in your childhood that really you know, just helped you along the way. That's tough to choose one. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in, you can learn, you can learn things positive and negative from every person you, you come into contact with. Um, 
And I've always tried to take that, you know, even the most negative person or, or, a, you know, a coach or a player or, or just anyone, a business person that, you know, maybe just had a, a negative effect, you know, on, on my life or, you know, for whatever reason, I just didn't really like them. I always just try to extract something from them. And so I think that, you know, throughout my journey, I don't think it's been one person. I think that we all are, are created um, with these opportunities that we have throughout life and the people that you surround yourself with um, help, you know, to shape you, um, help to make you better. And so, yeah, I think everybody, everybody has kind of played a role in, in my journey and up to this point. And, and those negative people that come into your life, you know, they, they make it easier for you to then maybe spot another negative person that, that maybe you should steer clear of, um, in the future. So I think it's just, a, it's always a process of evolving and learning. And, um, so I think from, from the start of my, you know, younger days that just everybody that's kind of been in my journey is, has kind of played that role and has helped me, um, has hurt me along the way as well. And, um, and I've learned tremendously from, from everyone and everything. Well, Carly, thank you for being one of our guests on the Couple of Believe podcast. It truly means a lot to me. Obviously, you know, our Rutgers ties, we go back to each other. It's always Rutgers family, but I do appreciate you taking your time because I know you are very busy and your schedule is always crazy, but it means a lot. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, Eric. And uh, you, you keep inspiring me. So much, much appreciate your just everything that you do in life, you know, your, your mindset, um, just, just everything. You are a huge inspiration and, uh, very, very blessed, uh, with the friendship we have. So thank you. Much love to you, girl. Thank you for listening to a couple believe podcast. Make sure you like share and subscribe to our YouTube channel and all audio platforms.